أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألم تر أن أرسلنا الشياطين على الكافرين تؤزهم أزا فلا تعجل عليهم إنما نعد لهم عدا يوم نحشر المتقين إلى الرحمن وفدا ونسوق المجرمين إلى جهنم وردا لا يملكون الشفاعة إلا من اتخذ عند الرحمن عهدا وقالوا اتخذ الرحمن ولدا لقد جئتم شيئا ادا تكاد السماوات ينفطرن منه وتنشق الأرض وتخر الجبال هدا أن دعوا للرحمن ولدا وما ينبغي للرحمن أن تَخِذَ وُلْدًا إِن كُلُّ مَن فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا آتِي الرَّحْمَنِ عَبْدًا لَقَدْ أَحْصَيْهُمْ وَعَدَّهُمْ عَدًّا وكلهم آتيه يوم القيامة فردا إن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات سيجعل لهم الرحمن ودا فإنما يسرناه بلسانك لتبشر به المتقين لتبشر به المتقين وتنذر به قوما لدا وكم أهلكنا قبلهم من قرن هل تحس منهم من أحد أو تسمع لهم ركزا ما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتشقي إلا تذكرة لمن يخشي تنزيلا من من خلق الأرض والسماوات العلي الرحمن على العرش استوي له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وما بينهما وما تحت السري 
وَإِن تَجْهَرُوا بِالْقَوْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ وَأَخْفِي اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ لَهُ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنِ Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وزدنا علما آمين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته أفريدت مولنا زوال إن شاء الله الحمد لله طيب الحمد لله مولنا a comment on the uh, كراءة that we, we opened up with today بسم الله uh, the كراءة I read uh... The narration of Khalad from Hamza. The Kira'a of Hamza by the transmission of Khalad. Hamza was the Shaykh al in Kufa during his time. He once remarked, he was a student of Sulaiman ibn Mihran al-A'mash. Okay, mashallah. Yeah, so you can remember that. Uh, so Sulaiman ibn Mihran al-A'mash was his teacher. And he would remark about uh, Hamza. This is the authority on the Qur'an about his student. And uh, uh, Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, he once remarked to Hamza that there are two things that we will never beat you at, your knowledge in the Qur'an and your knowledge of inheritance. Oh, subhanAllah. Ajeeb. MashaAllah, that's uh, amazing insight there. So we're learning, we're learning uh, about not only the Kira'at, but the people through whom it, it is narrated and transmitted, rather, alhamdulillah. Taib, inshallah, we are currently busy with our uh, fourth reading, isn't it, Samullah? Yeah, I lost track. I think, I think, <laughs> I may be mistaken, so don't uh, don't take me to task with this, but it's either the third reading or the fourth reading. No. I, I'm inclined to say the fourth reading. Yeah, within the third. No, yeah. no. Taib, but nonetheless, so we'll continue with that, bi'idhnillah ta'ala. Uh, I'm going to hand it over now to my teacher and our guest, Qari uh, Maulana Salim Gaby, the author of uh, this little work, 40 Hadith by the Ahlul Bayt, which is a compilation of, uh, as it says, a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but transmitted via the, the Ahlul Bayt. Alhamdulillah, we're actually recording this on uh, the, the 10th of Muharram, which is called Yawmi Ashura, and uh, the significance of the, of the day of Ashura is often uh, is often sort of misunderstood by many because it's it's a confusing time. You know, there's there's this constant debate that happens about uh, the Sunni Shi'i thing and the martyrdom of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Uh, so because that is so ubiquitous, people often think that it's significant that the day is significant because of that. 
um, that tragic event took place on this day in history, but the day's significance is actually way before even Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the most authentic narration about that is uh, that it, it's attributed to the, the freedom of the Bani Israel from Fir'aun in the time of Nabi Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. But that's the historical significance. It is nonetheless a blessed day, a highly recommended day to fast on um, and also a day to spend, uh, you know, freely on one's family. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that through our uh, reading of these ahadith, by the Ahlul Bayt, that not only can we develop in our love for Ahadith, for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but also for his family, the Ahlul Bayt. For we as the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we love uh, the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we don't need to be part of any particular group in order to do that. So uh, that is a bit of a divergent uh, di- divergent point, Malana. <laughs> Have fun for that. But now it's all yours, inshallah. Bismillah. <coughs> بسم الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا وسندنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Uh, just something came to mind um, regarding the kira'a of Hamza. He out of the the ten kura uh, he has a very unique sanad which goes only through via the Ahlul Bayt. He read also to um, Ja'far al-Sadiq, or read to Muhammad al-Baqir, or read to Zainuddin, uh, Zainul Abidin, sorry, uh, or read to his father Hussein, radiyallahu anhu, or read to his father Ali, radiyallahu ta'ala. So that, uh, that sanad you will only find in the kira'a of, um, of Hamza, right? That uh, once remarked that, uh, that the Shia, if they were aware of this, then everybody would be reading the, the Kira'a of Hamza. Oh, subhanAllah. <laughs> Ajeeb. Okay. وَبِهِ إِلَىٰ عَلِيٍ كَرَّمَ اللَّهُ وَجْهَهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ قَالُ So, with the previously mentioned Sanad, to Ali radiallahu anhu relates that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, وين حديث نمبر 16 الناس كأسنان المشطي that is people are like the teeth of a comb okay what does that mean as the teeth of a comb are all equal in length similarly people are all equal in stature since we are all the progeny of Adam عليه السلام superiority in virtue is only attained through Allah consciousness Taqwa. This hadith establishes that there is no superiority of one culture, nationality, familial connections over another. It certainly dispels racism. So when I read this hadith, I think of the, uh, the final sermon of the Prophet wasallam. because in that sermon, in some riwayat, it is mentioned that the Prophet wasallam he mentions that La fadl amongst the long sermon. Hmm. Obviously, this is only a portion of it. La fadl li Arabiyin ala Ajamiyin, wala Ajamiyin ala Arabiyin, wala li Abiyad ala Aswad, wala Aswad ala Abiyad. That there is no uh, superiority of an Arab over a non-Arab, neither a non-Arab over an Arab, neither 
white over black or mm. white black over white. So there is no superiority uh, in terms of that. And then an other riwayat, an-nasu min Adam, wa Adamu min turab, that we are all from Adam alayhi salam, and Adam was created from dust. Inna akramakum indallahi atqaakum, that the most uh, honored amongst you by Allah is those who are most conscious of Allah. So this hadith, it is very um, apparent. Uh, I was thinking as I'm driving here also, you know, um, this hadith reminds us about pride. <coughs> so uh, we have to understand pride. The Prophet ﷺ said that uh, pride is nas wa It is looking down upon others and uh, refusing to accept the truth when it is given to you, mm. right? Those two things. So sometimes I think uh, people and sometimes scholars even, they they don't understand what uh, pride is, mm. you know? So when it comes to the achievements, um, you know, work that they are doing, they um, don't want to mention anything or acknowledge anything because they think that that itself is pride. Mm. Right? However, if through those actions or through your work in the community, you think yourself superior to the next, then that is pride. Mm. You know, but acknowledging, you know, what you've done, that's, uh, that's not pride at all. In fact, uh, the muhaddisin, they would sometimes write their own biographies. Mm. Huh? So... Uh, we won't say, oh, this great scholar wrote his own biography, was proud or, you know, he, he had pride within him or something of the sort. So this is um, uh, very apparent. Uh, I'm looking here at uh, nationality and culture, you know, where you think one culture and one nationality is supreme over the other. And you always have this, the, the West, you know, <laughs> Uh, with this idea that their culture is superior to that of the East, mm. you know, I mean, if you if you look at um, the um, going into India and all those places, yeah, even here, the idea is always that um, they are the people here are uncivilized, you know, why? Because they don't dress like us, they don't speak like us, and so on and so forth. Right, so uh, what to be careful about here is that that is, that is the apparent, right? Probably when it comes to ourselves personally, would be that um, we do not deem ourselves superior to anyone. We are all like the teeth on that comb. And, you know, sometimes it happens that... Uh, we think that because we've graduated from a particular institute or we graduated from uh, a particular country or a university, um, you know, those are all great achievements, mm. you know, and that's uh, merits for yourself as, a, an, in, as an individual. Mm. But if those achievements make you or allow you to deem yourself superior to the next 
individual, then obviously that's the problem. Mm. Then the teeth of the comb will not be equal, mm. right? And sometimes, um, you know, uh, there's there's many uh, examples that we can give. Sometimes you find um, uh, a student because he was a student of one other great scholar in Sham, in Damascus, or uh, Madagascar, or wherever in the world. You know, there's one great because he was a student of this particular scholar. Therefore. He ranks supreme, you know, or because uh, uh, you have a degree and the other person does not, because you have a jaza or sanad, the other person not, because you have the the higher sanad in whatever book, do you understand? Those are all accomplishments. However, if it makes you deem yourself superior to the other, then it becomes problematic. And mm. that's basically the essence of pride. Mm. And when you think of the pride, you know, that was what actually destroyed Iblis, you know. And then, uh, okay, that's your personal accomplishment. Sometimes what happens is that uh, um, uh, because of our uh, connections or our relationships or our affiliations with particular fraternities or institutions and so on, we deem ourselves superior, mm. you know. Because I'm connected with this group that gives da'wah, I'm better than you because you're just sitting in the class and teaching, mm. right? Because I'm connected with the Quran, kira'at, or hifz, or whatever, I'm better than the, the faqih, teaching fiqh, and mm. vice versa. Mm. And what happens between scholars, you, you find one, the faqih trying to uh, establish and prove to the mufassir why fiqh is more important than taf, uh, tafsir. And the mufassir is trying to explain to the mukri why understanding the, the Quran is uh, more important than the recitation of the Quran and mm. so on. If you mature enough, then you would understand that we require all of these, no. right? So that is the uh, subtle ways in which we create or might create an imbalance in this comb. Mm. Mm. Right? It's, a, it's a very delicate thing, actually. Like, it's a very subtle thing. Like, when I was giving some examples now, um, but even, like, in those examples, if you, if you take on this position where, okay, uh, you don't wear fancy clothes, because it's a decision that you made. Fine, make the decision. But don't equate that, you know, the wearing of fancy clothes, don't equate that with, with pride because it's not. In fact, there's a hadith that, that goes contrary to that very thing. So funny, I was actually on a live uh, TV um, show. Let's call it a show. Mm. <laughs> it's a daily Ramadan thing on a national TV. And uh, obviously because it's now TV, you're dressing in your best, you want to look mm. presentable, right? And then... Uh, you know, we open up for questions and answers at the end of each episode. And this one person, you know, asked, you know, you're talking there about pride and humility and things like that. But would the Prophet be impressed with what you're wearing? And I was mm. like shocked that somebody would have the audacity to even ask this question. But it was an easy thing to answer because of, of the hadith where the Sahabi asks the Prophet you know, I like wearing nice things. Is that mm. pride? Um, but my, the subtlety comes in where... If a group of people decide that they're going to shun fancy things because they want to wear uh, cheaper, less expensive clothing, 
And then they start forming a club around that, you know, the humility, the research down-to-earth clothing and so on. Anybody who doesn't wear such down-to-earth clothing, oh, no, they are from the Mutakabirin. That in and of itself can become a source of pride because now that becomes your identity. So it's a very, mm-hmm. it's a ajib thing, it's a subtle thing, subhanAllah. Yeah, yeah uh, I think a lot of times the the, um, the, the scholars themselves, they, con- they confuse mm. uh, what, what pride actually is. Mm. Like we have a database that, uh, you know, of, of Senate holders of mm. the Qur'an in Cape Town, in the Western Cape. And, uh, you know, for me, we are documenting history. Mm. Because if you actually study the Asanid, many of the, not many, okay, there are quite a few links in our Asanid. We're talking about the unorthodox Asanid. We don't have information about them or the information about them is very sparse mm. right so the idea behind this database is that we are documenting the present for the future mm. it's as simple as that mm. so people don't want to um, give details they don't want to mention uh, their teachers or <laughs> things like that because it's a sense of pride that's got nothing to do with pride mm. Mm. you know so yeah, just to clarify what pride is, if they right. can understand what that is. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, not deeming yourself superior to um, the next person, right? In whatever uh, way or aspect. Uh, hadith number 19. We finished 16. Number 17, Al-Ghina, Ghina nafs We connected that to hadith number 13. Ma qalla wa kafa khayrum mimma we did that last week. Then we did hadith number 18 as well. Right? As-sa'idu man That the fortunate one or the wise one is able to learn from others. Okay? So we're on hadith number 19 now. Inna mina shi'r la hikmah. Indeed, in poetry there is wisdom. Wa inna min al-bayan la sihra. And in eloquence there is magic. Some poetry contains useful guidance and spiritual counsel from which a person may draw lessons from. As magic amazes its audience, eloquent speech has the ability to captivate the hearts and minds of its listeners. Right? So, uh, yeah, this is so true. Right? Uh, Sometimes a person, just because he's eloquent, he amazes an entire audience we spells spellbounds an entire audience. But if you actually analyze his talk, he hasn't said anything. <laughs> you know? I had one or uh, one buddy, I, I don't want to del- uh, do, uh, dwell too much on, on this particular hadith here. But he he had the gift of the gab, you know, he was eloquent. And even though um like like I was a group of friends. We knew, no, this guy, he's a trickster. You know, he's up to something or he's talking nonsense or something of the sort. But he always manages to convince us. <laughs> you know, like time after time, he comes up with some story and yeah. whatever investments that you need to do and things like that. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, we always fall for the joke. So eloquence, um, definitely. Uh, has the ability to captivate hearts and minds of the listeners. 
hadith number we did 20 already we linked uh, hadith number 20 to hadith number 11 you can just remind everyone hadith number 11 that was we spoke about ah family ties forgiveness and pardon okay just on family ties uh, somebody uh, sent me a, a message and they wanted to know, um, uh, wanted some explanation regarding family ties. They say they try to connect with their family, but their the family is always not willing to uh, reciprocate, you know. So uh, the idea behind connecting family ties is in spite of the, the family or the next person not interested in... Um, reciprocating your salam or in your engaging or your, your, you know, your conversation or whatever, you still try. Right? It's not only I will join ties with you if you join ties with me. Mm. That is not the, what uh, Silatul Rahim is. Silatul Rahim, joining family ties is even if the next person does not want to see my face, I will still go up to him and greet him nicely. Right? Mm. So that is um, uh, hadith number 20, just going back to uh, family ties. Hadith number 21. Al-mar'u ma'aman ahabba. A person will be with those whom he loves. <coughs> we need to read the story that comes under here. Al-Bukhari he relates that the man came to the Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, what do you say about a man who loves a people but his deeds do not compare to theirs? The Prophet replied, A person will be with those whom he loves. At-Tirmidhi relates that a man once asked the Prophet about when the day of resurrection would occur. He inquired, what have you prepared for that day? The man replied, O Messenger of Allah, I have not prepared very much of salah, nor fasting for it, but I love Allah and I love his Messenger. So the Prophet said, A man shall be with whom he loves. Okay, when I read this hadith, um, what comes to mind is, that if I see an individual or a fraternity, a group, institution, organization, and they have something, the person has a quality that I don't have, but I would love to have. Or I see a fraternity that does not have certain qualities or they stand for something which I do not, right? But I would love to as well. Instead of being envious or jealous of that person or that fraternity or that institute, love that person, mm. love that institute, love that fraternity. And when I say love them, support them in whatever way you can. Speak good about them. If you can support them however, in whichever capacity you can, do that. You know, in any way possible that you are able to 
um, assist them, then do so. No. Because just by doing that, even though you can't be part of that fraternity, just by loving them, you will be included amongst them. Mm. So a lot of times, when it comes to, um, you know, Hivz and the Quran and things like that, you find uh, students and sometimes they are adults as well. They want to memorize the Quran, but they, they do not have the ability or they, they struggle to recite even fluently and, and things like that. You know, so even though you don't memorize the entire Quran, you know, don't because of that dislike a fraternity or be jealous of a fraternity, mm. you know, still love them, do whatever you can to assist them. And just by doing that, you are included in that particular mm. fraternity. Such yeah. a such a beautiful and, and yet uh, easy way for us to to gain these these things. Uh, you can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. You can't uh, you know do all the good things that there are to do. But you can certainly just appreciate and support those who do it. And then another very, very, well, this is sort of on the converse side, Malina, but mm. it's kind of dangerous also, this hadith, because, I mean, how many of our youth, brothers, sisters, even adults, they can stand up and speak about their favorite soccer player or rugby mm. team or whatever, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. For like an hour, two hours, they know everything about the guy. They know, look here, this guy earns so much money and he gets, you know. But tell them, okay, stand up and talk about the Prophet for five minutes or the Sahaba. Uh, and then it's then it's a, bit, it's a bit of an issue. So that, that for me is like a double, uh, what do they call it? A double-edged sword, you know. It's like on the one hand, you can so easily gain Allah's rahmah and be part of these amazing ventures. Just by loving them, but loving also means that look here, yeah, you you know a bit more, you you're interested, you're passionate, and if you have that for everybody else, but you don't have that for for that which really matters to you, then it, it's sort of a question mark. Allah protect us. Another <coughs> other aspect or thing that I um, gain from this particular hadith is. That we know Allah is alimul ghaib. Only Allah knows what is going to happen in the future. Mm. But this uh, hadith, it allows us a glimpse into the future. Uh, when this companion asked that, uh, when is the day of Qiyamah? You know, when is the resurrection? Mm. Right? Mm. You know, and the, the Prophet sallallahu wasallam says, after this incident that we mentioned, you will be on that day with those whom you love. No. So, if you want to know who you are going to be with in the year after, on the day of resurrection, that uh, think about it quickly. Mm. Who do you love mm. and who do you spend most of your time oh, with yeah, currently? Because those are the people or that is the group, the fraternity that you will be with uh, on the day of Qiyamah. Allah the next hadith. Uh, hadith number 22 A man who knows his worth, his ability will not be ruined This is an amazing hadith mm. Like all the others mm. But it's so much that you can say, you know, on each one of these So, um, 
I divided the, the understanding of, of the hadith to the individual with himself, mm. then the individual and his interactions with, uh, with others, then obviously uh, the individual and Allah. Right? So, a man, the first part there, uh, okay, let's do the second part because it ties in with, actually, it ties in with this hadith of the comb that we did. Mm. A man who recognizes his worth amongst mankind will not deem himself better than others, nor others beneath him, right? So this ties in your relationship with everyone else, that you are all on one level, mm. right? You are not superior to anyone else in any way. Right. If this is difficult for you to understand, you know, um, I think sometimes of the companions, you know, we look at uh, Bilal, Salman, Al-Farsi, and, uh, Farsi and uh, from Persia and from Africa, wherever they came from, just because they said one kalima, they were all united, you know. And uh, <coughs> if we can't understand that because, you know, sometimes... We, see, we create these divisions mm. amongst ourselves. Mm. Like you spoke about dress. Because you dress like that, so uh, you, you're that kind, you know. Yeah. I don't dress like that, so I'm a different kind, no. you know. Uh, because uh, uh, I have ijazah or I studied at a traditional Darul Loom, you didn't. Mm. You understand? We create these divisions. Yeah, you, you wear your turban a certain way, you wear that color, kufiya. You know, you, you wear your top at certain length. It's ajeeb, subhanAllah. But if you look at Islam, Islam puts us all like the comb, like the teeth of the comb. We are all on the same level. And if you want to see that, then you look on the day of Arafah, mm. when people go for Hajj, everyone wearing two pieces of cloth. Right? You can be... Well, all the, the males, man. Huh? Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, everyone looking the same. Right? Whether you a doctor, whether you a maulana, whether you the, whether you the imam, whether no. you, you know, whatever the background. The king, whatever, the pope, uh, everyone. You. One. Right? Everyone is the same. Mm. And that is basically who we are as individuals. We are all the slaves of Allah. And we children of Adam, alayhi salam. So that is how we need to look at each other, mm. you know, instead of because of whatever, um, you know, I'm better or, you know, superior in some way. And then also, <coughs> the man's relationship to Allah. A man who recognizes his worth in relation to his creator will subject himself to Allah and realize that he can accomplish nothing Without Allah's permission. You know, sometimes uh, this, this is very important. Whatever we accomplish, and we're going to probably touch on it later in some other hadith as well. Whatever we accomplish, we accomplish not because of our own brilliance, our own intelligence, or, you know, unique skill set, or life experience, or whatever. You know, because of all that, therefore, um, I have accomplished, you know, X, Y, Z. 
you have accomplished X, Y, Z only because Allah allowed you to accomplish it. Mm. And, you know, if you can understand that whatever you have is only because Allah allowed you to have it, then forever, until the end of your life, you need to show gratitude towards Allah for whatever accomplishments or whatever you have in your life. Mm. So that for you as an individual, your relationship between you and your creator, you know, that your creator is always superior and you beneath that, no. you know. No. So uh, whatever you, whatever venture you're going into, whatever you're trying to accomplish, you know, you, you're always making dua. You're always praying that Allah guides you and Allah allows you to accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish because you can only do it through His will. Mm. Right? So that is uh, the man, his relationship with others, his relationship with Allah. Then the last part, and the last part is equally important as well. Likewise, a person who understands his capacity and ability as an individual will not embark upon tasks which are beyond the scope and qualification. Meaning, there's a, uh, a saying in Arabic goes something like, uh, That uh, how excellent is that person? He knows his limits and he stops. He doesn't go beyond that which he cannot do beyond his capacity. As individuals, it is very important for us to understand our limitations and, uh, you know, what we are able to do and what we cannot do. Mm. I think that, that may be something that, <laughs> I don't know, especially in our time, it's like, how does, how does one do that? Is it even possible? You, you must. You must know yourself. Yeah. But people Be just don't seem to know themselves. Yes, I know. Because, um, <clears throat> you know, and we find that, unfortunately, because that is just how society is mm. perhaps rigged, you know, because uh, you serve on, uh, you are, let's say, uh, a specialist doctor on a particular um, frater medical fraternity, you know, um, how does that qualify you to serve as the chairman or the chairperson on the masjid committee? Mm. You understand? You an uh, excellent engineer who just uh, created a masterpiece in, in the heart of Europe. You know, how does that qualify you to become a human relations officer in, you know, some organization, some way. No. So, what this hadith says, what the statement says here is, know your ability. Because what happens in society is that because people know us or they have expectations from a person, you know, we get placed in certain positions. So when we get placed in those positions, we must be man enough to say that 
I'm not qualified to do this. Mm. You know? Yes, I have this, I did this, I can do this, but this that you're asking me to do, I, I can't do this. Mm. Right? And if we're not saying that uh, you should refuse perhaps accepting the position, if you are wise enough, you can accept the position and surround yourself, either teach yourself how to um, fulfill the tasks and the responsibilities of that position or surround yourselves with those who are qualified who can help mm. you, assist you in fulfilling those particular um, uh, responsibilities. Mm. And an issue, an issue, an all-round expert, man. You do get those people. You find them in the comment section of uh, YouTube videos and on Facebook. <laughs> Experts in everything. More expert than the doctor in medicine, more expert than the alim in alim. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that we do get that in our time. But uh, I suppose it takes a certain level of maturity also to be yeah. able to know that. Yeah, you must be able to acknowledge. Uh, that's, what, that's what the hadith says that, uh, you know, uh, that you know what you can do because uh, if you go beyond your capacity then you know like the hadith said uh, you'll be ruined mm. so you think you, you're doing a great service because of uh, your qualifications or whatever so you're doing a great service being on the, the board of this masjid but you're actually you know doing a disservice mm. and people who are trying to tell you sometimes nicely <laughs> right, you just don't get it. Mm. Okay, so um, uh, one incident comes to mind. Uh, one Molina called me once. They were having some competition, and they wanted me to judge, <coughs> and uh, Quran competition. And I told him I can only judge the Tajweed. You know, in the the particular competition that you're having, I can only judge Tajweed because. Uh, that's what I know. <laughs> so he's, he wanted me to judge sound, like not sound, but voice, right? The voice. So I needed to give a point for every participant's voice, you know? Uh, I don't even know how, how you would grade that. And then uh, the other thing was the maqamat, you know, the, t the melody mm. and the tune that they use. But I don't know that. So I'm going to... <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to him. And, you know, uh, eventually he says, Molana, we just want your name on the poster. <laughs> so just come. <laughs> <laughs> the more I'm telling, trying to tell him and explain to him that, look, I can't judge that. I don't know anything no, about those things. No. Yes, anyway. No, that's a funny word. Uh, next hadith. Hadith number 23. <laughs> The child is attributed to the marital bed and for the fornicator he is stoning. A child born within a household is recognized as the legitimate offspring of the husband. Any outsider has no share in the kinship to the child and the claims will not be recognized. So if there is a, a child born within a marriage, then the child will be regarded as the the child of that husband and that wife, right? And obviously, this will affect the rules of inheritance. Mm. Uh, hadith number 24. So we did that. We connected that to 
Hadith number seven. If I'm not mistaken, it was Ittaqunnar. Uh, right? Uh, that fear the, <coughs> the Alfaya, Walobi, Shikki, Tamra. Yes, and in Hadith number 25. Okay, we're here now. لا يشكر الله من لا يشكر الناس. The one who does not thank Allah does not thank people. A person who fails to thank people in spite of them loving praise will likely fail to thank Allah, who has no need for our praise. So I've linked this to Hadith number 27, right on the next page. Says the Jubilatil Qulub ala hubbi man ahsana ilayha. Hearts have been predisposed, and this is how we were created to love those who do good to them. Wa bughdiman asa'a ilayha, and to dislike those who do bad to them. It is natural for people to incline to and love those who are good to them, and vice versa. So imagine this. Right? Again, it's easy to understand uh, the, had- the hadith uh, in relation to people. You know, somebody comes to your door every day, knocks on your door, you open, gives you a hundred bucks, you know. So uh, every day this guy comes and he gives you this money, right? Only a crazy person will not love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> so it's natural, this this person is doing like, oh, oh yes this uncle again he's <laughs> irritating just make like we know that imagine subhanallah and then op- obviously the opposite as well um, if somebody you know perpetuates harming you and mm. insulting you and obviously you're not going to like that person you know so this is in relation to to people and like the previous hadith if we can think about how this relates with our, in our relationship with Allah, mm. you know, that uh, this person comes and he gives us this hundred rain and we love him so much. The moment we wake every morning, Allah has filled our lives with bounties and blessings. And Allah asks for very little, mm. you know, like, how thankful and how grateful should we not be to Allah who fills our entire lives with bounties and mm. blessings. Oh, and we God. mentioned in the previous hadith that uh, everything we have is only because Allah allows it. Mm. He allows us to have that. You know, so when I read this hadith, then I think of that. You know, how grateful we should be to Allah for whatever bounties and all the bounties that He has bestowed upon us. And then obviously, back to hadith number 25, that if we can recognize that whatever we have, that we are entrenched with the bounties of Allah, then we should show gratitude to Allah. Mm. Hadith number 28. At-ta'ibu. One who repents from sin is like one who has no sin. The deficient is compared with the perfect. The deficient being 
the one who has committed the sin and the perfect being the one who hasn't committed. Right? For rhetorical effect. As one says, says, Zaid is like a lion. It does not mean that the one who repents is equal to someone without sin. However, it is an encouragement to repent with the hope of being able to start afresh. <coughs> it's a very important hadith. Sometimes what happens is people, they go, let's say they go off track, right? They do a lot of things that they're not supposed to do. And they are remorseful, they feel bad about it. But at the same time, they have this notion and this idea in their mind that there's no hope for me, there's no way that Allah is going to forgive me, mm. you know. So I'm just going to continue doing this. And, you know, sometimes you, you find it even in your students, they have this despair, you know. So this hadith and Man is created like this, you know. Uh, you know, you read these uh, self-help books, they always tell you, live in the present. That is so important because we're always fretting about the future and we are always sad and remorseful about our past, what we could have done and would have done if we were another the same mm. opportunity and those kind of things. So this hadith here, it's like a restart button for us. You know, whatever you have done, whatever you have done, you think that is wrong, you know, Islamically, that repent. Repent towards Allah and like the hadith is, kamadla zambala. You know, you start afresh now. Okay, I've done this wrong. I'm going to make tawbah and immediately after the tawbah now you're starting new leaf mm. right a uh, new person understand so this is a, a it's very important and it gives encouragement for those for anyone who has done any wrong in any manner in any capacity you know press the button mm. the button is Mm. And there's also a lesson in that for people uh, who generally tend to be more judgmental. You know, you see somebody, but hold on, how come this guy's at the masjid? You know, he's full of tattoos. Or didn't I see this guy, you know, on the streets? He was with those drug addicts and he was drinking. And now he's coming to make salah. Astaghfirullah How can you, you know... <clears throat> yeah, the Prophet is teaching us that uh, this guy is just like you, you know? If you never committed that sin, and he did commit that sin, so you might think, okay, so I'm better than him because he committed that sin and I didn't. But here the Prophet is saying that the one who repents from a sin is like the one who did not commit it in the first place. So you have no impetus to actually judge that other person. And it's it's something that people do so often, subhanAllah. Uh, the one thing, <coughs> one other thing we need to re uh, realize <coughs> That uh, that uh, we all we all have our weaknesses. We all have our flaws, you know. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said it best. Uh, 
And he says that Kullu Bani Adam khattaun wa khayrun khattain attawabun That all the children of Adam alayhi salam They all uh, They all make mistakes Right? We all do Nobody can claim that they're perfect That they haven't done anything wrong Erred in any manner Haven't sinned Nobody can claim that mm. You know But Khayrul khattain That the Best of those who sin, who err, or those who repent. No. You know? And, uh, you know what I've mentioned numerous times here? We, we, we must understand ourselves, how Allah created us. So a lot of times in these ahadith here, uh, you know, we point out, you know, certain things about how Allah has created us. You know, this is what man likes, that is what he, you know, dislikes, he inclines towards that and so on. If we understand that, then it will act as a guide for us so that shaitan does not, because shaitan knows better than anyone else what our weaknesses are, Mm. you know. So if you understand how Allah created you with what flaws Allah has placed within you, and you understand yourself as an individual, then you can say, you know, like Allah says, Inna shaytana lakum adu. That shaytan is your enemy. Fattakhiduhu aduwa. Right? Then take him as your enemy. Because shaytan knows all your weaknesses and he uses that against you. And, you know, um, you you must understand yourself as an individual. Um, all of us have have weaknesses, um, no matter what they are. They might vary between people, and usually the vices are similar. But everyone is created with a weakness. I always think of the story of um, Adam and Hawa, alayhi salam. In Jannah, I mean, they could do whatever they wanted to do, you know, had, you know, the entire Jannah. Just one thing, they don't go to that tree, <laughs> no? That tree is what every individual has in his life. And you as an individual need to find out what. That tree is in your life. What is your weakness? Mm. Because if you understand that, then shaitan won't use it against you. Mm. You will know how to fight that. I had a, uh, and you know, no matter what weakness it is, you can overcome it if you understand it. I had a, a buddy I met uh, now again, probably two years ago, we had a reunion. And uh, he was telling me, now he's giving me, you know, we're meeting after like, what, 15, 20 years or something like mm. that. And he's telling me about uh, what happened in his life. And uh, he got involved with drugs, you know. And I'm listening to him and I'm thinking, well, now this guy is a lost, a lost cause, man. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, if you've done drugs, this. Like the chances that you're going to uh, 
rehabilitate. It's very slim. And he told me what he did. He said in his mind every time that every time he, he craved, Shaitan wants me to do this. Because he wants me to do this, I'm going to do the opposite. <laughs> and his entire life now revolves around that. You know? Shaitan wants me to do this, I won't do it. And you he- know? Because he understands his weakness. You know? And he knows Shaitan is probably using that against him. Mm. And that's basically how he beat his habit. Ajay. You know? <laughs> was amazing. Ajay. First time I heard that one. <coughs> anyway, uh, we some go strong, on. strong, some strong mm. willpower there, mashallah. Yeah. <laughs> Hadith number 30. إِذَا جَاءَكُمْ كَرِيمُ قَوْمٍ فَأَكْرِمُوهُ if there comes to you a man who is respected among his own people, then honor him. If any person is honored amongst the people, then one should show honor and respect towards him or her. Right? This is, again, for me, if you want to win over people, you want people to like you, you just honor the leaders. It's so simple. You honor, whoever they honor, you honor, and they will just like you. Ah. You know, it comes down to that. That's absolutely so, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Subhanallah. When uh, anyone who is honored amongst a particular group of fraternity and they vin- visit you or come to you, you honor them. And you basically have the entire fraternity behind you. <laughs> oh, hadith number 31. Okay, so we did this one already. We um, tied it in with hadith number 12 regarding... Honesty and integrity. Okay. Right? <coughs> then hadith number 32. Man kutila duna malihi fahuwa shahidun. Whoever is killed defending his wealth is a martyr. The life, family, wealth and property of a believer are sacred. If any of this is threatened, then one is allowed to protect and defend oneself and these things. If one is killed in the process of defending his family and whatever he owns, then he will be ranked as a martyr. Right? That hadith pretty straightforward, right? Hadith number thirty-three. Al-a'malu bin niyyah. Actions are by intentions. The reward for deeds is dependent upon their intentions. Obviously, we know it uh, from Inna al-a'malu bin niyyah. Binniyat, no? Innam al-a'amalu binniyat. That's the more famous one. No. Right? Uh, Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah, he mentions that this hadith, min usulil islam, this is like one of the basis and foundations of Islam. You know, whatever you do is based on your intention. So, you know, usually um, we explain this. So, what intention should you have when you do something? You say, uh, whenever you do something, you intend by it the pleasure of Allah. I'm doing it liwajhillahi ta'ala. Mm. You know, solely for the pleasure of Allah. Sometimes the students, they find it hard. Like, how do you, how do you uh, like, wrap your brain the brains around or your mind around? I'm doing this solely for the pleasure of Allah. 
So uh, I try to explain to them that um, throughout our lives, whatever we do, we do it with the hope of getting closer to Allah. Allah Jalla wa'ala. Whatever deed we do, it is through that deed that we gain closeness to Allah. And the closer we are to Allah, the further we are from Jahannam. Mm. Right? So our entire lives, whatever we do, we are attempting and trying to get closer and closer to Allah. And whatever deeds we do, through those deeds, if our intentions are good, right? Or we intend that through this deed, I want to become closer to you, O oh Allah, then that is liwajhillahi ta'ala, mm. or the pleasure of Allah. Ajib. Right? And uh, one thing Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah, he also mentions is that uh, many a times um, we don't make intentions. Mm. You know? Uh, and this, I think many of us, uh, at least I'm, I'm guilty of it many a time, that uh, just by making an intention, you get additional reward. You know? For example, you go to the masjid, that every day you're in the masjid, uh, let's say, even two, three minutes before the, the waqt, the salah is supposed to start. Right? And if you make, okay, so you're going there and you're getting the audio for, for your salah and salah with jama'ah and, and all those things, right? But those two, three minutes, if you just make niya for i'tikaf in the masjid, then while you are sitting there doing nothing, you might be even thinking some random thoughts there in the masjid. But those two, three minutes, just because you're making intention for i'tikaf, you get reward for antikaf, you know. Mm. So, when you do any deed, and again, you know, this is this kind of ties in with our relationship with Allah. Whatever we do, we are always asking, you know, how will Allah see this deed of mine, right? And. Uh, Through the deed, or through our intention of that particular deed, we are just trying to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And multiple intentions, you know, um, I'm trying to think of another example. Manna, you can think of one. Of multiple intentions? Yeah. <coughs> I can think of like the fiqh examples. <laughs> you give I, us one? <laughs> I think uh, like in, in the masjid, if you come into the masjid and you... you you need to make salah, but uh, the adhan is sounding, right? So now, traditionally, people just tend to to stand. Um, a lot of people don't know why they're standing, but they stand, okay? Mm -hmm. So the thinking is actually that, okay, you're going to say the words of the mu'adhin, repeat the words of the mu'adhin, you're going to say the dua, which you would not have been able to do, to do if you were making salah, and then on top of it, because you're still standing, so you've respected the, the adhan, you've repeated the words of the masjid, you followed the sunnah of the Prophet in that sense, oh. and you're going to get tahiyat al-masjid. So just by that one action, 
entering into the mosque and standing as opposed to just making salah, which you can do. So you standing then you're waiting, but you have the multiple intentions of doing those things. I think that's yeah. a very thick type of example. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps maybe uh, a more practical type of thing, you give a donation to uh, an organization publicly. You know, so generally speaking, if you give the donation, that's a reward. If you give the donation with a good intention, that's a reward. But now you're also intending beyond your good intention that you also want to inspire other people to give. Mm. You know? And, and do do it. Khair. Naam. So now yeah. you're doing it publicly. Somebody else might think, oh no, you're boasting. But you've checked your niya. Mm. You've really investigated, you know, am I boasting or not? You came to the conclusion, I actually just want other people also to give. And by me giving, they might also, you know, so Allah mm. knows best. I hope those were. <laughs> yeah. But even uh, like we're speaking about uh, the day of Ashura, you know, um, uh, we usually fast and things no. like that. If it happens to fall uh, within uh, those days in the in the month where we normally fast. Like a Thursday. Today. You understand? No. So we make multiple intentions. So you're making intentions for it to be. You, you know the, the your your normal Thursday fast or whatever days you you normally fast on, and for the day of Ashura. I've got you know? a really good one, Mulla. Hmm? Don't know why I didn't think of this one first. And I'm just tired. <laughs> um, so I like to keep healthy. Alhamdulillah, it's a new habit. It's fairly new the last two three years. Uh, but I keep on telling people who also try to keep healthy, good Muslim people. Look here, man. This could be a ibadah for you, man. Like, mm. you are going to work out because you like working out. And that's fine. Okay. But you also, Al-Mu'minul Qawi, Khayrun wa ahabu ilallahi ta'ala min al-Mu'minil da'if wa fi kullin khayr. You want to be a strong believer for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so you're going to get rewarded. Right? So that's another intention. But now, at the same time, you can inspire others as well. At the same time, you can you can make the niyyah that, Oh Allah, I want to uh, become so healthy that waking up for tahajjud is easy mm. for me. You know, multiple intentions wow. like that. Mm. Um, and it's all by doing exactly the same thing that everybody else is doing. You just obviously also need to avoid the pitfalls, right? Make sure your aura is covered. Make sure you're not uh, doing inappropriate things in the road with people you're not supposed to be doing it with, etc., but generally speaking, such a simple deed, you mm. could gain so much from it. But the, the important thing here uh, is that, um, you know, we need to be conscious of mm. our intentions. Absolutely. And that is something that uh, sometimes, you know, that through this entire discussion, Imam Nawawi is highlighting, mm. like Rahimahullah, that whenever we do, I mean, it could have just been a jog. Mm. But now, with all those intentions, you're getting so much reward, mm. right? And you're staying fit. No. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. be conscious of your intentions. And when we say that our intentions are, we're doing it for the pleasure of Allah, it is through those actions that we want to gain closeness to Allah. No. And the closer you are to Allah, the further you are from Jahannam, and the closer you are to ultimate success. Which is Jannah. I mean, I mean, Ya Rab, Jazakumullah khairan, Manana. Um, I know there's a lot that can be said. There's, there are literally uh, books written just about that one hadith. Innamal a'mal bin you know, books and books. 
But we don't have time for that right now. We have come to the end of the session. Any concluding marks from your side, Wala? Um, no, just because uh, I, I was thinking, I'm looking at the hadith and I was thinking that this hadith was deemed so important by Imam Al-Bukhari, mm-hmm. Rahimahullah, that he actually started his sahih with this hadith. No, no. You know, many, many books actually. Riyadu Salihin starts with it, that's Imam Nawawi. I think he starts his Arba'in with it as well. If I recall correctly, I think the Sahih of Imam Muslim also. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. So many books. And I think so many of us have actually memorized the hadith, like as our first hadith that you memorize. And yet, it's something that we can still learn from every day, every time we think about it. SubhanAllah. Malna, Jazakumullah khairan. Ameen, wa iyaakum. So, Take care, inshallah. Next week, inshallah, I think we'll finish this book. It seems like our inshallah. final read. Yeah. So, Taib, Alhamdulillah, uh, next week, inshallah ta'ala, we will conclude with the reading of the 40 hadith yes, by the Ahlul Bayt. If you have not yet acquired your copy of the book, you're a bit late, inshallah, but nonetheless, not too late. The description below contains a link uh, for a form that you should just fill out. And uh, this form will then give you the link to the book. And also the details for purchasing the hard copy of the book. And by completing the entire series, and I think now it's about seven episodes in total for this particular series, uh, you would have not only learned a few things from the Prophet and from our Honorable Scholar, but also... Uh, gained ijazah, right? Which is something that is generally the purport of the scholars. You've now been included in that circle. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Until next time, wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad subhanallah wa bihamdi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.